Next, I'd like to welcome to the stage uh, somebody I feel like is also a first-time teller, and please let me know if that is the case, Mr. Sam White. Thank you very much. Hi, I'm Sam. I'm also a professor at OSU, and uh, my research does not prove the existence of God. Uh, and yes, this is also my first time up here. Uh, and I have to say, I, I didn't know what to expect. I didn't really know anything about this. Uh, I wasn't really sure where to begin and what it would be like to be up here telling stories in front of all of you, except that I actually I cannot see any of you. The light really is blinding. We're not being blinded by science and being blinded by this big, big, big light up here. So I guess, I guess I'll start the story then with the state of my desk where I work. And, and there's a reason for that. Uh, if you're an academic, you don't really have uh, the same sense, I guess, of, you know, New Year's, like actually January 1st as being the time that things start over, the time you make resolutions and, uh, you know, try to do new things. If you're an academic, it's really always in September. It's when the academic year starts. It, it kind of it sets that rhythm to your life. And it's that time when you decide you're going to go out there and, you know, make commitments when the sky's the limit. And for me in my work, that usually means going to the library and I get this big pile of books and I'm going to go out there and I'm going to read those books over the semester. And it never happens. <laughs> but but the, the pile of books is sort of there each semester as, as this sign of, of aspiration, the sign of, you know, what I could be doing with this semester. Uh, but this semester, it was, it was different for me because I looked over at my desk and there wasn't this big pile. There was just, you know, like three or four books. And the top was a book on introduction to Bayesian analysis, another one that was this really difficult textbook on synoptic and dynamic climatology. And I was just looking at those the other day and just thinking, like, what the hell are those books doing there? Uh, and, and I don't mean that, you know, like, why did they end up on my desk physically, but why those books, not the big pile I usually have? And that's because I'm not actually a scientist. I, I'm professor of history. And so, you know, usually I'm going out there getting this pile of history books. But this time, you know, it wasn't there. I was trying to work with this difficult quantitative material, scientific material. And uh, I, I guess that's what, you know, brings me here because in a sense I think my story fit that, uh, that theme for tonight, that I was blinded by science or maybe more, you know, blindsided by science. I thought it was something I thought I kind of left behind that kind of snuck up behind me and, you know, hit me over the head and, and I was doing science or, or trying to. Um, so I think science was what I had always wanted to do and when I was, you know, a little kid, if it, you know, I, I didn't have this definite vision, but if I were to say what I thought I would go into, it probably wouldn't be a professor of history, it probably would have been science. And I think I'll blame not going to science, into science, make a long story short, on my high school chemistry teacher. So I don't remember high school too well, it's one of those things I sort of put out of my memory, like a bad dream. Uh, but I do remember the day that I, you know, got the list of teachers I was going to have and I told them to my mother, when I was a chemistry teacher, and this, this look kind of came over her face. And that's because that had also been her chemistry teacher. And she wasn't young back then either. Uh, and she wasn't sort of, you know, sticking around to impart students with, with wisdom and enthusiasm. It was really sort of, uh, you know, make the subject as dry as possible. Uh, and. And so I, I think that was at the beginning of, of an end for science for me. And uh, to make a long story short, I ended up going into uh, uh, studying history. 
another thing I left behind, uh, incidentally, was, was where I grew up. Uh, I grew up in Houston, Texas. And if you grow up in Texas, it tends to be the kind of place that you either really love, uh, that you, you, know, you want to be there forever, or it's the kind of place that you want to leave very, very far behind. Uh, and and I, I was definitely in that, that latter category of you know, growing up as a teenager and wanting to leave Texas very far behind. And I ended up leaving it farther behind than I anticipated. I, I just packed up and moved to Scotland uh, to go to college. And I, I did that having never really known anything about the country. I just applied to a, a university out there, uh, just took one you know, trunk of stuff when I moved up there on uh, the opening week by myself and you know was there really without a clue but I originally thought that I was going to go into you know ancient history I, I got really fascinated by archaeology and I had one of those moments where I was actually volunteering on an archaeological project and one evening uh, you know I was overhearing people archaeologists around the campfire it's a lot of fun to be an archaeologist kind of like summer camp for uh, a bit more you know geeky and you're out in the sun and uh, um, you know occasionally you dig up stuff from the earth although mostly you just kind of dig up dirt uh, and uh, and I overheard these folks talking about basically the one and only job that was coming up in classical archaeology around the world that year and and who might get it and I kind of had a realization I probably would not go into classical archaeology uh, uh, like I had planned. And I actually thought I was already living overseas and I uh, was you know, studying Middle East. I was learning Turkish. I thought I would actually go and try to work for the State Department. And they, uh, I actually you know, kept going forward with that idea. I was studying to take the Foreign Service exam. Eventually I had an, an internship lined up to work at the U.S. Embassy, uh, one of the U.S. embassies in the economic sector. And I you know, started the process to get involved in that, to get security clearance. And then I was ready to start. I'd actually flown out to uh, Rome where I was getting ready to work. And then I got rejected for security clearance because apparently I'm more dangerous than I look. <laughs> uh, so. And that, that kind of brought me to a, a moment of realization that, you know, I, or at least I thought it was a realization that it's like they say, you know, if those who can do and, and those who can't teach. And the U.S. government just told me I couldn't, so I should probably go into teaching. I, I, I'd just go get my Ph.D. because if I wasn't going to do this thing that was practical, I should do something that is as impractical as possible. Uh, and, and so... You know, I went into the PhD program in history uh, eventually with the idea that I was going to find the most uh, obscure kind of, of history. I would just find something that I thought was, you know, fun and erudite and had no practical value at all. Because I, I felt like this, the State Department, the security clearance process relieved me of trying to do anything practical for the world. So I, I should just, you know, find, find something in some obscure corner. And so I, I was actually, you know, excited about that sort of just that antiquarian pursuit. Uh, and eventually I found what I thought was an obscure enough topic. I was studying rebellions and uh, agricultural crises in the Ottoman Empire in the 1500s. So that seemed suitably obscure. Uh, uh, hope, hopefully it sounds obscure enough to all of you. I hope nobody's going to stand up and say, no, no, that's really important. That, that's, you know, that, that, that's like stuff that matters right now. That's going to tell us about the next U.S. election. Um, but, you know, what's weird is that that's actually something that 
it, it ended up doing in, in a very strange roundabout way. That, I guess that's when I was, in a sense, blinded by science. Because what I realized in the course of this research that I was trying to do, was trying to understand, you know, what was going on with these, these peasants in the middle of Anatolia all this time ago. And it turned out that it was uh, climate change. Not, not big climate change like we have now, not man-made. It was small, natural fluctuation, but substantial, uh, tied to sort of uh, clim climatic forces that we associate now with what's sometimes called the Little Ice Age. Uh, slight cooling that also in that part of the world ended up um, making the, the climate drier. There's a series of droughts. And I just stumbled across this by accident. I was looking at you know, completely different work, and I stumbled across a tree ring-based reconstruction of spring and summer drought in the eastern Mediterranean, one of the, the first ones that had been done there uh, to good standards. And I didn't know anything about the, the paleoclimatology, didn't really understand any of this, but I saw this chart, uh, you know, these, these sort of squiggly lines going up and down, and the droughts just exactly matched up with these agricultural crises I was looking at. And, and you know, the other strange thing that I guess actually brings it up to the, the present day too was all those places uh, that I was writing about, um, so many of them, exactly the same places that would later be on the news with, uh, you know, crises and, and refugee movements and violence uh, in the, the Syrian civil war. Uh, but this, this was just a revelation to me. Uh, and, you know, here I was happily going along with the most obscure kind of history I could do, and suddenly it had this weird uh, contemporary relevance to climate change and, you know, forced me to go on this whole long detour to try and understand this kind of, of data. And it you know, turned out to be this, this dissertation that actually got me a job, in spite of all my expectations. Uh, so I uh, thought that the yeah, other people would obviously catch on to this in the field of history, that you know, trying to bring in this perspective from climate, given, of course, the contemporary relevance of climate change, everybody would move into that. that you know, there wouldn't be any need for me to do that. I could go back to my uh, you know, obscure interests in, in the 16th century Middle East. Uh, but it never really happened, and I ended up being the one to start to try to put together this field, to try to put together projects, try to put together networks, and eventually that's sort of, you know, consume what I do, academic research. Uh, so I guess there's in some ways a, a, a good turn to that uh, for me, and I ended up moving from a, you know, small liberal arts college where I focused on teaching over here to OSU for research. But I guess the downside was, you know, just that other day looking back at my desk and seeing just these, you know, three, four really difficult books there and, and kind of missing the days, I guess, when it was still the pile of uh, dusty old books about obscure subjects where I didn't really feel the pressure to do something relevant. So uh, there you have it. <laughs>